Yes, greetings. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I think you still have the tape on your webcam. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you're right. Dude, that's impressive that you remember that. <laughs> well, I have it down on record, so. So how's it going, Mr. Cambridge? <laughs> Mr. Cambridge. <laughs> Not bad. Feeling good now that I finished my single? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded really good. I listened to it yesterday. Thanks, dude. How, how many um, pain-stricken weekends in the making was that? Were you uh, really taking your time with it, or it came out quickly? Um, that did not come out quickly <laughs> at all. It's never that easy. No. It, uh, yeah, that was very much, like, a, it was a very slow process. So I was the most patient I've ever been with this song. Um, and uh, basically... I used my old songwriting process for it. My old songwriting process involved like sitting at a piano and singing improvisationally for like an hour. Yeah, um, zoning out. Yeah, kind of yeah. In, yeah, zoning out and zoning in at the same time. It involved like just like running the water until it turns clear. That's an interesting right? way to put it. Yeah, right. Because when you first turn on that faucet, that maybe you haven't you don't always use yeah there's some um, gunk in the pipes yeah <laughs> yeah it comes out a little brown from the rust and then you keep running it and eventually it's clear and when it's clear is when your ideas start to be beautiful and interesting and like novel because you know you can have beautiful ideas when you first start trying to come up with melodies but are they quite novel enough are they like authentic enough for me, no. So I keep running the, the faucet. And, you know, so I did that. And I finally got like a chunk of, a, of the first verse after mm -hmm. like, you know, an, an hour. And then I was like, okay, I have, I have the first verse. I have a, like half of the first verse. And so I kept building and, and I kept, you know, trying to find lines that would inter, melodies that would interrelate with the first part that I had written and be in work well together energetically. But you can't wait too long because, like, to tack on a next part because the longer you wait, um, at least the longer I wait, the more energetically disparate the things that I keep producing become. Mm. So, like, it, it's a balance in, like, you know, waiting long enough to find a truly worthy idea of keeping and also not waiting too long and getting too far away from where you were. So. Mm. It's yeah. kind of a balance in that sense. Yep. Because you could just keep going and just make an endlessly changing and evolving song that's like an hour long. Right. If you just let it keep going, I guess. Right. Like some prog rock uh, acts that I know. Acts? Why is it? Why would I say acts? Um, prog rock. Those performers. <laughs> prog rock bands um, that I know. What, what am I, like 50 acts? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> This prog rock band, like, um, I find that a lot of the times the, the, even the verses of their songs are just very disparate, like energetically, which is something appealing in and of itself. Are you kind talking like Tool, Porcupine Tree and that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I am. I'm talking to like Porcupine Tree, Cambria, um, Tool kind of bands like that. Yeah. Hmm. So, but you, uh operate in the realm of uh three to four minute piano pop songs 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're it's always three to there. four minutes. They're always three to four minutes. It's like, a sweet spot. <laughs> it is a sweet spot. Um, you know, I I see artists like whenever like they they release a song that's like a minute and a minute. I'm just like, you're like I'm not gonna bother with that. What is yeah, that? I, yeah. <laughs> I just like you can't get into it. You can't like delve into the world it's just like by the time it starts it's over it's like a transition more than like an actual song yeah it's if you're gonna have a minute long song it's got to be between two really good songs or like you yes. know some kind of trademark intro to the album and then it really kicks off after you know a exactly. reprise that sort of thing yeah exactly um and then so so after i um kind of wrote this song which took like a few days I was, I basically tried to record it and like my philosophy, uh, uh, my philosophy with that was I wanted to do the Nick Drake thing on Pink Moon. I don't know if like, it's okay. I'm very familiar with that album, but uh, what what is the Nick Drake thing exactly? Like very minimal and. So the Nick Drake thing was Nick Drake's Pink Moon, the album is, was so such a cult classic and such a, uh, you know, it, it made such waves in the indie community and folk community because the songwriting is brilliant frankly but it's just his vocals and a guitar and there's piano sometimes but the piano is like a real luxury like it's like oh, yeah. oh an extra bonus you right. like forget that it's so stripped down yeah wait on pick on this piano i think that i think there is du, 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 du. You forgot the most important part of the song. Good job, Alex. <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, on the song Pink Moon, yes, there is piano. And there's got to be piano on some of those but, other songs, aren't there? Is that the I, only one? I, I think it might be the only one. Nevertheless, um, yes, a very stripped down album. Yeah. Like, you know, some of my Pink Moon, yeah, some of my favorite songs on the album, um, like just piano and vocals. And I'm so impressed by the fact that he did that and it sounds like a full arrangement because he put so much effort into both the vocal melodies and the guitar parts if you listen to the guitar parts on pink moon they're like absurdly complex and imaginative mm. and they're unlike any other like guitar player i've ever heard might want to um, check out elliot smith then yeah oh elliot smiths are great so I, yeah i feel like that's another one where he has some songs that are super stripped down and not even really like recorded properly, but it's like you can only get away with that with his songs because they're so yes. uh, the the vocal melody and what he's doing with the guitar and the weird ass chords he played. It's so intricate. It's like it would almost be too much if anything were added. So it's maybe a similar deal there. Amen. Yes, it would almost be too much. Yeah, because exactly because the things that are present um, are so skillfully done um and they take up so much space and and so yeah and so that's what i wanted to do for this single um so, so work I with just, very few elements mainly just piano yeah piano um and you know i'm i'm a part of so i couldn't help but adding some like shiny shimmery organ in the chorus well come on that's just <laughs> yeah but it's very subtle so you know so there's just like twinkly instruments in the background but it's mostly so my goal was to try to make the piano art um really interesting and authentic throughout so i didn't have to you know compensate with adding some other elements later this is like a, yes. a song really 
tailored for you to just play and sing, like perform, like sort of a live feeling kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's it's important to have songs like that, I think, if you're always relying on really uh, complicated arrangements and all these different moving parts in your song, and then it's you don't really ever have something you can just kind of sit and play comfortably. I've kind of run up against that issue. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so the, uh, the recording process was... I learned a lot about, like, mic placement, and mm-hmm. I and I had I had realized that mic placement was important before, and I had used correct mic placement, but there's something to be said about finding the exact sweet spot, the exact right distance. You know, like yeah. in your in your mic, um, you know, guide that that comes with your mic, it says like you know correct distance is whatever six to twelve inches from the mic. Um, and so, you know, what I would do is I would just be like, okay, I'm, I'm about six to 12 inches away. Like, and I would record yeah, just eyeball it. Yeah. Yeah. But with this song, I got a measuring tape and I sang at each of the inches. <laughs> oh, wow. You were holding like a measuring tape up to your face for each take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not for each take, but in the beginning. Like, okay. And then yeah. I put, I, I put oh yeah. My to do test filter. run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put my pop filter and then I also, I tried to get the exact right input gain Mm-hmm. at each distance and so like, like kind of scientist balance. yeah I, it was it was scientific i tried to balance like input gain with my distance and i found this area this sweet spot where i had the input gained up turned up like three quarters and i was fairly far away from the mic so i was like maybe like 15 inches away from the mic mm. input gain turned up like high yeah and i noticed that there was this this full-bodied crispiness to my vocal that you don't like, normally you know, get. Yeah, that I don't normally get when I sing in the lower register. It's usually like just kind of like, you know, whatever when I sing in the, in the lower register, but I got this. And then sometimes I have to like go, get really close to my mic um, to get that like kind of full bodied deepness. Get the lower end more, yeah. Yeah. But that's not a good strategy because it kind of attenuates the high end. If yeah, you that's what really I end up doing. I get too close to the mic a lot. Right? Because it gives you this warmth. But it also attenuates the high end, and it can um, make you have to like compensate by adding gain up up around like four four k and above, which is problematic for for few reasons. You don't never want to like have to add EQ, right? Personal, it's a yeah. subtractive process. Right, right, exactly. So so like I'm I'm far far away from the mic, gain turned up high, and I'm hearing this like crispy kind of this this like saturation sound, hmm. and I'm like. Oh my God, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. And if you listen to my new song with headphones, you'll hear that saturated crispiness. Um, <laughs> like bacon. Yeah, it was like, like bacon uh, frying in the pan, crispiness. So cool. So it sounds like a uh, pretty good success for you. I know you hadn't um, released a song in a while, so that must be good to dip your toe back into it. It was. And, and uh, you know, last I released my EP. Uh, or one of my EPs in the summer, kind of around like July. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a, been a little while. Yeah, because you're um, usually releasing all the time. So yeah. you kind of step back for a second. You were like on an album a year sort of pace for a while. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Um, yeah, my job's been been nuts. But, you know, I was I carved out time because I had something to say with this new single and yeah. something maybe I hadn't said quite that way before. So, you know, had to get it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you end up finding the time if you feel compelled, like you have something you need to share. Is, uh, is Bridges Gone, would you say it's about anything in particular, or you're just kind of channeling creative consciousness? That's a great question. So it's about, so I, I, I wrote down what it's about. Um, so let me, let me just read that real quick. Basically, the song is about losing time. It's about losing connections over time. It's about losing bridges. It's mm. about falling in pits that are hard, hard to leave. It's about how we're sold toxic things every day by, by every industry, by the medical community, by uh, the food industry, by the media. We're just sold bad things for us, bad things to put in us, bad things to think about, and uh, that we can choose to sell pure things on our own. We can be a seller of what we want to see. Uh, we can be, we can talk what we, what we value and, and what is antithetical to what society values. Um, so it's mostly about wanting a good story to never end. And yet also at the same time, wanting new stories to come in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a poem right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, poison out there in different forms kind of being pushed on us. So that's very kind of empowering. Amen. To say, hey, we can uh, kind of push back against that. It's good vibes, Exactly. Bro. Exactly. <laughs> um, I like that. Like, thanks, man. Like, the lyric is... Yeah, there's a bunch of lines. I, the bunch of lines I think that are kind of um, exemplary of, of the meaning. Uh, like one of the lines is, "Their water is rising, and I am still finding that I can't take what they have sold, though my river is guiding me forward, and I believe what I have sold on my own." So it's like it's just like a, a message of like kind of the speaker saying like, "It doesn't matter if I don't believe them. I believe me." Interesting. It's uh, kind of particularly coincidental because I, I mean, the song's not going to come out for a while, but I just wrote a song about this kind of disposition, this viewpoint, but by somebody who's taking it like way too far. And you kind of like figure that out as you listen through the whole song. And I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know when it actually comes out. You'll probably get a chuckle out of it. It's like somebody Ooh. takes this concept, but it's like they're going too far the other way with it. Interesting. And and do you want to say what the concept is or is it the same concept? Same concept. Yeah. Just like uh, you have to create your own value and kind of sense of health and well-being because what's being put out there to you right now isn't good for you. But like, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who's kind of conspiracy theory style taking that to the nth degree. Oh, so, I like it. Very, very, uh, yeah, kind of fun coincidence that you're covering a similar thing, but obviously in a more uh healthy way <laughs> that's, that's interesting huh i can't i can't wait to hear that do you know when you're gonna finish um i mean the song is written and then great 18 months from now it'll be recorded <laughs> just because there's so much <laughs> other stuff in the queue but so very very uh early sneak preview on that cool um maybe i'll send you a demo or something yeah i, I would love that and uh, so you're saying, um, in addition to this new song coming out, something that's been on your mind recently was uh, <laughs> cognitive function theory. So what the heck is that? Yeah, so, so 
So Carl Jung's cognitive functions theory. Yeah, and he's a um, psychologist, right? Yeah, Carl Jung is um, one of the forefathers of psychology. Um, some believe that he's the forefather of, of psychology. Those are Jungians who believe that. But those Jungians, yeah, <laughs> Jungians, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he has this amazing theory called cognitive functions theory. And yeah, and I suppose we'll switch it up here because you know. People like music and they listen to this podcast for, for music stuff, but sometimes other topics are warranted as well. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, it's kind of, I was going to say yeah. a rough segue there, but um, I'm curious to see how you, you're going to tie it back to music and the creative process. Yes, yes, absolutely. So you, Thomas, okay. So you're familiar with the Myers Briggs, of course. Myers Briggs, yeah, personality tests, right? Yes, the Myers-Briggs gives you four letters, and each of those letters can be one of two things. So there are 16 personalities, according to the Myers-Briggs, and um, the Myers-Briggs, a lot of people think, frankly, because they don't know very much about it, they think, oh, it's just it's just like hoo-ha, it's just like, you know. It's yeah, just, it's like another Facebook quiz or something. Right, it's just a Facebook quiz, it's, it's, astro- it's astrological. A lot of people liken it to astrology, which is wrong. I mean, not not that I'm saying astrology is hoo-ha, because there may be something valid about astrology. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, more comfortable just... saying astrology is hoo-ha, but <laughs> so th- this has some scientific merit, some, like it's a respected field of psychology, more or less. Yes. It, it, in the psychological community, the Myers-Briggs isn't used as empirically very much, yeah. um, but it's because it doesn't, it's because it's not for that. Um, there's a lot of things that your Myers-Briggs type are correlated with, like your music taste. And like the people that you're friends with, mm. um, for for instance, there's many correlations. But um, people of of one Myers Briggs, a certain couple genres, or even one genre. So, yeah, this has been empirically validated. Also, uh, people, so one's friends tend to have the same middle two letters as them. And if if I scroll through my contacts, like my middle two letters are NF. Um, if I scroll through my contacts, 95% of my contacts have the middle two letters NF. Now, how do you know that? Because I ask all my friends what their Myers-Briggs type uh, is. Okay, all right. So you like get some yes. data and on it. By the that. way, yeah. I know what your type is too. Yeah, what's my type? Your type is INTJ. You got it. Yep. And um, what are you, so I'm, what are you? Are you INFP? I'm INFJ. INFJ. Oh, okay. Wow, that's pretty You're, close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you and I, okay, so here's, here's the thing. So that's the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. The Young's cognitive functions is what the Myers-Briggs came from. It was the original, the mm. OG personality theory. Unfiltered, the first, uncut. Exactly. Unfiltered, uncut. It's the real deal. Like, it's like, okay, here's my analogy. It's like someone describing what pizza is like versus eating it. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of one step removed from what we're trying to get to. Right. The real shit. So the, the <laughs> Young's cognitive theory is like eating something decadent. Um, and uh, so, but the reason why I think it hasn't pervaded our society like the Myers-Briggs has in terms of pop culture is because it's too complex for, for the average person. And that's why I think it's valuable and interesting. Hmm. And yeah, um, I will start by, okay. All right. 
So Young's cognitive function divides um, two attitudes into extroverted and introverted. All right. So there's, yeah. that's the, that's the dichotomy. But they don't mean what they mean in our everyday life. Extroverted in Young's theory means um, directed towards the object. Um, it means dealing with the object. So what is the and object? The object is the outer world. Okay. Things, and the subject are... is the person in question. Yes. The okay. subject is with, within the subject's mind, the, yeah. the inner world. So outer world, inner world. All right. And so those are the, that's the dichotomy. There's another dichotomy, um, judging and perceiving. Those are, that's the other two. Judging is how we make decisions about reality and perceiving is the lens through which we see reality. Okay. So within the judging category, there's thinking and feeling. Those are the two, um, attitudes, two affects, um, thinking is how we make logical decisions about reality and you know how we problem solve and feeling is how we make connections within reality um whether it's within ourselves or with others this is very 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 simplistic view yeah um and so the other category as, as i said is perceiving there's intuiting and sensing and intuiting is kind of um well actually I'll say sensing first it's it's uh how we deal with the, the physical world it's it's how we use our five senses intuiting is kind of how we use this inner cognitive web to make connections between concepts mm -hmm. um and sensing is how we um you know perceive the 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 world whether how we perceive sensation sensing events mm -hmm. um seeing, seeing touch, sight, smell, and et cetera. Um, so these four categories, <coughs> thinking, feeling, sensing, intuiting can be either extroverted or introverted And depending on what you, you can use your Myers-Briggs type to figure out what order your four cognitive functions are in. Hmm. I know yours, by the way, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this by explaining, <coughs> by explaining yours. Okay, so you're gonna break so, down my personality. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna. We'll we'll see if it's accurate. Alrighty. Um, so, so everybody, all the Myers Briggs type, each Myers Briggs type, has four cognitive functions, in a certain order. Um, all right. So I'll say yours. So you're again an INTJ, which which for the layperson who doesn't know about this means, um. Uh, Actually, I'll say what it means in terms of the cognitive functions, because the cognitive functions are different from the Myers-Briggs, like, theoretically. Well, let, yeah, let's break down what INTJ would stand for first. So, um, okay. introvert, right. uh, yeah. intuition, that's the end, mm -hmm. yeah. thinking, and judging. You got it. Um, sh should I run through quickly what each of those means? Go ahead, yeah. Um, so, in Myers-Briggs terms, um, introverted means, you know... Um, kind of gaining energy from solitude and as opposed to being with people and uh, intuitive um, basically means um, imaginative creative um, into ideas into concepts not as much into actual tangible physical occurrences and physical phenomena and what's the other um, so, one besides n besides intuition so so N, so the other one is S, sensing. So sensing, people okay. who are sensing are more in the physical world, more about experiencing places and, and like more about going to restaurants and, and doing this and, and experiencing the physical world. And people who are intuitives are more about experiencing the landscape of their mind. Um, most of my friends tend to be N types. 
Uh, you can listen to me speak and you can hear why. <laughs> so um, t- thinking is how you make decisions, basically, whether you think about th- there's thinking and feeling. And if you're thinking, yeah. you make decisions based on logic. If you're feeling, you make decisions based on emotion. It, this is a simplistic view, but quick. So judging the, the next category is judging versus perceiving. You're judging. Um, people who are judging are more organized. Uh, bigger, better planners, people who are perceiving are more in the moment and less good at kind of planning. All right. Yep. I that all that, sounds right so far. Yeah. I think that very well describes you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had somebody, um, when I was traveling in Vancouver, Canada years ago, I was like couch surfing and hanging out with uh, some people I just met there and somebody who's really into the Myers-Briggs and they called me out right away, like within 10 minutes of sitting down with us. And I hadn't really even talked that much. And they're like, and you'd be, and they broke it down for me, the INTJ thing, because I had never heard about it before. Oh, so did they guess right? Yeah, right away. And then they, they, uh, the guy who's hosting me, they, she got his number too. He was really, uh, very much agreed with, uh, her assessment of him too. Damn. Wow. That's amazing. That's, she was into into this kind of stuff. I love doing that. Like everybody I meet, like after I get to know them a little bit, I guess what their type is. It's so fun. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a game you can try yourself, play with your friends at home. Yeah. Um, so what is the big difference between Justice Myers-Briggs and then the, the OG uh, Jungian uh, cognitive functions theory? How, how, are we, how are we going deeper with this? Yep. So as I said, the uh, cognitive functions theory is a lot harder to understand. Um, and a lot more, a lot deeper. So I will explain as I go. So your top cognitive function as an INTJ, it's it's called the dominant cognitive function. Mm -hmm. This one is used, it's most fully integrated in your conscious mind and is used the most. Mm. Um, So your top cognitive function is introverted intuition. Hmm. Intuition that occurs within the mind is not visible to the outside world and is subjective. So what that is, and by the way, that's my top cognitive function as well. As right. An so you're going to kind of understand the, the similarity there. Yeah. And I, I uh, like can explain introverted intuition fairly well because I have it. Um, but basically what it is, is it's the way that we perceive our inner world. It dictates, it dictates the way we store information and how we perceive that information. It, um, it kind of dictates like where your train of thought will go. Hmm. Um, it stores information in a very spread out way with all the pieces of data having connections of various strengths to multiple additional pieces of data. And it's like a web. It's like a, a vast web of information that's extremely large, too large to be viewed in mm. detail as a whole, but you can, and too, too large to be seen as a whole, but it can be zoomed in on to, to show intricate clusters and threads of thought. And, um, so the, the important part is this network of data rests slightly outside the conscious mind. So we have a web of data that we can access through our conscious mind, but this introverted intuition web extends all the way into the subconscious. And 
It gives introverted intuition a dreamlike quality that is equally likely to be experienced in images and impressions and feelings as it is to produce actual facts. Hmm. Um, so because the focus of, um, introverted intuition perception is constantly scanning the whole, but also frequently zooming in on various thoughts and feelings and changing angles on a subject. Um, people with, with introverted intuition as their dominant characteristic tend to experience their inner world as, as constantly fluctuating. Um, so it's basically the way that, that we that we can see patterns before most other people do. Hmm. You mean like uh, patterns of behavior? Everything. Everything. Just mm -hmm. anything that could be predictable in the external world. Exactly. Anything that can form a pattern. And, and, and this process occurs internally. That's, that's the important. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, not, it's not relied on objective, observable phenomena to unfold. Hmm. So, so would you say that you identify with, with that? Yeah, I'm 100% I'm on board so far. Sure. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. So, th so this next one, this next one, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. I don't understand as well because I don't have this cognitive function. Ah, this is um, where you, you get off. This is your stop. The, yeah, the T instead of the stop. F. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I do, um, I know enough to explain it. So your next cognitive function is external thinking. Okay. So, so what is external thinking going to be versus internal thinking? Yes. So external thinking is, um, it allows, I'm going to use the phrase, uh, N I T E because your top function is introverted intuition and I introverted intuition mm -hmm. and your in your uh, auxiliary function, your second function, which is the lens. It's kind of like it guides what your internal intuition may be centering or, around um, is T E extroverted thinking. So I'm going to say N I T E's. Okay. So, t yeah. So T E allows N I T's to operate efficiently in all their areas of life, basically. And it's, their primary decision-making process. So <clears throat> it means that if a decision is needed at that time, on, in the moment, um, NITEs will rely on what makes the most sense objectively. Um, because extroverted thinking is the primary external function hmm. um, for them, it's usually the first thing other people will notice about NITEs. So can you give kind of like a real-world example? Yes. Sort of illustrate. Yes. So th introverted thinking is kind of an internal logical process that uses deduction. So it might use like deductive reasoning and um, logical processes like odds assessment to form internal judgments um, that aren't entirely based on observable phenomena in the physical world. Hmm. Like maybe, yeah. Like, like so maybe going like, with your gut versus observing all the, uh, surroundings. Yeah. Going so with not your so gut. much Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Go, going with your gut is, it can be said to be an intuitive process. So that's kind of related, but like, um, I, I, uh, internal thinking is like where, 
you're using logic, but the logic isn't always based on uh, external phenomena. It's it's often based on putting the puzzle pieces together in your own mind. Mm. Um, so conversely, external thinking is where one forms conclusions based on um, forming connections between observable phenomena. Mm. Um, so, so basically, like a person with internal intuition or introverted intuition and extroverted thinking um, may form an intricate web of connections with the internal intuition. And th those connections may be about externally observed phenomena. So you may find patterns about things that you see other people doing, trends that you notice in society, um, ways that you notice um, like, I, I think that, that you're that a big example of that, um, is you and, and <laughs> you do this with your music writing to, to tie it in. So kind of just observe and then internally process in a nutshell. Yes. And, but I do that more than other personality types. Yes. Like you have an intricate web kind of, of externally observed patterns that, that you notice. Mm. And you may not be able to like, like if somebody asks you like, what's, what, what do you think? Like, which bands do you think like did, did, did this embodied this style? Like, or, or, or if you think like, um, ah, it's hard, to, it's hard to describe. Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause my inter introverted intuition is, is sometimes more likely to produce like impressions than it is to produce like con concrete details. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're bordering on the ineffable. It's kind right. of yeah, difficult to really put into words. But I so it's this kind of system, this like matrix of kind of cognitive processing that you're you're touching on here. So that, does that uh, complete my profile? NITE. So the so those are the first two um, cognitive functions. Right. Are we and, only halfway done? There's yeah. two more. Okay. All right. Yeah. We we can go for it. Um, I'll, I'll maybe, you know, speed it up, uh, cause they're not these, uh, to the tertiary and quaternary aren't as important as the top two, but in some people they can be very developed. So, but the general rule is that these last two, these three and four, um, are largely subconscious in most people, mm. but some people can have developed them to be subconscious if they have a mastery of their cognitive functions, um, to be conscious. I mean, um, so Internal feeling is apparently your third cognitive function as opposed to external feeling. So I also don't have internal feeling. So I have external feeling. So I have no internal feeling. <laughs> so what does that mean? You just don't like externally express your emotions. You just have them, but people can't see them or what? A, That's, what's that uh, distinction there? Um, no. To, to answer that question, no. Um, no, so, that's incorrect. Yes. Okay. So, so um Basically, external feeling is um, a process by which people make connections, find commonalities uh, between themselves and others. Um, and it's, it isn't always emotional, um, but it isn't always guided by emotions. But I find that it often centers around emotions. Um, so my, I'll give you an example. So my Second, my auxiliary cognitive function is external feeling. Uh, 
And my top one is internal um, intuition. So basically, I I care a lot about like observing the emotions and behaviors of others. Hmm. It's something I focus a, a lot a, a, around. Like when I'm socializing with someone, I'm thinking about like adjusting my demeanor and behavior um, and, and conversational strategy based around how they're being. Hmm. Um, so yeah. So like more than like, you know, like growing up, this was kind of a problem because I, I was kind of a chameleon. I did, I wasn't authentically myself. You're like um, Zelig, the Woody Allen movie. I, I've never seen That's that. Kind of a deep cut, maybe. <laughs> I've never seen it's that. It's just but... a character who always their complete identity changes depending on who they're next to in a room. Exactly. So it's just kind of so, like a whole portrayal of of this phenomenon. Right. That that's a that's a, a like a uh, an analogy for this phenomenon when it can be uh, disordered when it can cause a disordered yeah. behavior. I think Peter Sellers, um, the actor, probably. I feel like a lot of actors probably have this. It's like they completely shift how they operate to kind of fit a certain character oh totally if, if that shifting is based on um external factors yeah. based on the object then then yes that's external feeling mm. um so yeah um it's um but yours is internal feeling and um so it's an internal process and it likes to mull over details before deciding and internal feeling is what tells one, how they feel or how others might feel about a particular thing. Um, it can act as a warning system when extroverted thinking thinks a decision makes sense, but internal feeling knows it's a bad idea. Hmm. So it's kind of like an internal moral system, um, almost. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you do not have that or you do? I don't have that. And I have that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah, that made this. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to to put that together with um, your internal intuition. Yes, <laughs> precisely. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it like makes sense to you, but it's like hard to be like point p particular examples. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely one way to put it. So so that's the third step. Yes. And and then the with this last step, we get um, closest to like the subconscious, or it's the bingo. Um, so we have, we share the same fourth function, um, external sensing. Mm. So, um, it's not as strong as the other functions given that it's last, but, um, it's the more concrete side of NITEs and it lets them connect to the world around them. So having external sensing means that NITEs can easily get drained if they have to actively engage with the people or the world around them for long periods of time. Again, this is because it's their last function. Mm. But external sensing is basically experiencing the sensual aspects of the world in the moment. Mm. Experiencing a sunset and thinking it's, you know, experiencing a sunset and feeling moved by it or, or, um, you know, um, eating a nice meal or just anything that right. involves the five senses. Sensory experience. Yeah. Yeah. But inter so internal sensing is a process that we don't have that, frankly, I don't understand very well. Um, and it involves, you know, categorizing and cataloging sensory experiences 
um, and physical aspects, physical, like aspects of reality. Like my mom is like a very good internal sensor. She always, always remembers like what highway is where and like what exit to take. And she remembers like what town we went to, um, when we like went on an excursion like 10 years ago and she remembers everyone's birthday and, and she remembers everyone's eye color. Like she has an internal catalog and for a lot of, for people with internal sensing, um, the, the prospect the the act of sensing is a comparative process so they might whatever they're experiencing sensually sensually they co- inherently compare it to something else that they've experienced sensually in their past mm. and and i have a friend that does that um he says like every and by the way i'm an internal sensor when it comes to music only so you remember all little facts and trivia and kind of catalog things catalog the music experience a certain way that's different than taking in a movie or socializing or something is that what you mean right right so i'm an i'm an external sensor when it comes to music and that i pre that i appreciate it aesthetically and and that i like the experience of listening but i'm internally sensing in that every time i hear a melody i compare it to my melodic system in the past, which actually might be internal intuition now that I'm thinking of it, because, because I often can't, uh, you know, point to, Oh, this song sounds like this song, but I can say, Oh, this melody is, is uh, less novel because it, yeah. yeah. So maybe, okay. So maybe that's internal into it. So I'm learning things. So this yeah, is, a, so how, how did you yeah. get into this? Where did you first start reading about this? I was super obsessed with the Myers Briggs, uh, for like a long time. And I knew that people that liked the Myers-Briggs were also into the cognitive functions theory. Yeah. And like, I knew that the cognitive functions theory was really complex. So I kind of like put off like digging into it because I knew it was going to be like encompassing. Um, but a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm learning about it. Here we go. Yeah. So we're, um, if somebody listening uh, wants to dig further and really try to get a handle on this stuff, where's a good place to go? Great question. So the website that is the best, and I've, I've done some digging, um, is typeinmind.com. Mm. So, so if you type, like, like if you take the Myers-Briggs assessment and you know what your type is, um, on 16personalities.com, that's a good place to take the Myers-Briggs assessment. Mm. It takes 12, 12 minutes. Um, so you take your test there, you, you figure out, oh, I'm an INFJ and then you type type in mind INFJ Hmm. in Google and then boom, it'll, it'll explain your cognitive functions and what they mean. And it it also has this amazing, um, kind of like essay below that explains exactly for you how your cognitive, how your four cognitive functions filter through each other and Hmm. inform, inform everything. So it's like this really long essay. And, and when I read this essay, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Took this up your is whole weekend, most... huh? It, yeah, dude. It, it was my whole week. It was the <laughs> most accurate account I've ever found. I've ever found about like me. Mm. It, was unca- it was uncanny. <laughs> so if somebody wants to uncover the truth about themselves, uh, what, what's the website's name again? Type in mind. Type in mind. 
And then ap- yes. after you take the Myers Briggs, of course. Yes. And um, where uh, where can people go to hear Bridges Gone and get uh, in on Bridge- that a part of action? So uh, if you want to follow me um, on Instagram at a part of dot music, mm. a yeah, a part just a part of dot music, yeah. And that Instagram's pretty popping for you, right? That's your favorite platform. Yeah, you that's lots the of platform there. I update the most, um, and the link to that song is in my bio. It's on Bandcamp right now. Um, in a couple days, it will be on Apple Music and Spotify and all those. All right. Um, yeah. A couple days being probably before this episode comes out. So as you're listening to it, it it's out, right? It's up. <laughs> yes. Bridges Gone by A Part Of. Awesome. Alex, always a pleasure. Just I feel like I <laughs> attended a lecture. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing I recorded it. So yeah. I wasn't writing anything down. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me explain this. I, I, I know it's like pretty dense and like, so I, I appreciate you like listening and stuff. Yeah, it was a cool topic. I'm always, uh, you know, occasionally I'm down to learn something new. Not always, but once in a while, I <laughs> yeah. feel like I should educate myself further. Um, awesome. So I'm, I'm uh, excited to get people digging into that new single and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, dude. Uh, th- thanks for having me. Saying you can't suppose what could unfold 
There is after and there is before now And I don't know which one of those I behold I have loved what I shouldn't have loved Couldn't have helped what I needed to say But my storybook is never ending Not easy to part with I have loved what I shouldn't have loved Couldn't have helped what I needed to say Though my narrative is hanging by a thread And I wish it go And there's another Thing coming to the gates, coloring stormy day, wondering where they went. I don't know how they went to the end. I finally saw the pain coming from far enough away, and I gotta say that I'd like you to wait by the stone in the lake while I sail until you're gone. Like you to wait by the stone in the lake while I sail